0: to Chumbacasino.com. Jumba. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Skype audio and kind of uh, get some chatting going. You're, you're, one of our, uh, you're one of our most favorite guests, by the way, on well, this You're program. one of
1: my <laughs> most favorite interviewers. I love your laugh. <laughs>
0: and uh, and Do- Dr. Bullock, uh, I want to talk uh, teachers. I want to talk bullying. I want to talk all sorts of things this morning. First of all, let, let's talk about um, health. My teacher is a bully, and uh, we've got leading authority on educational policy, uh, Dr. Cleet Bullock, with us today. He has got 40 years in public education, and uh, he joins us today here on Build, Grow, and Joy. And uh, Dr. Bullock, I noticed this a lot when I was when I was going through the school process that uh, there seemed to be uh, a lot of times where the teacher came off as a bully and wasn't in the end and then there were other times where yeah that's exactly what it was the the teacher was a bully um it's become a national issue but but what do you do if the school bully is the child's teacher let's start there my friend
1: <laughs> well uh no teacher w- would ever want to be called a bully um they would never uh, agree that that 's what they were doing, yeah, uh, I call it uh, sarcasm. <laughs> uh, okay. A lot of teachers use sarcasm as a way to interject humor into a class into a classroom, uh, of course, as a school superintendent, we had a policy against that. any teacher who was caught using sarcasm, got a letter of reprimand that they continued to do it. They were fired for insubordination. Yes. Uh, But, uh, you know, I have not had any personal experience with that. So my advice on this uh, is strictly advice. I don't know that it's going to work, but here's how I would handle it. If my kid were in a classroom with a teacher who was using sarcasm on them to bully them, uh, I would suggest to my kid, this is what I would suggest they do. After the class is over, go up to the teacher and say, hey, teach, you know what you said back there in front of the entire class, that really hurt. That upset me a lot. Did you want to do that? Put the teacher on the spot. Okay. And the teacher is going to, what, what would the teacher have to say? Yeah, I meant to hurt you, you little turd. No, <laughs> the, te- the teacher, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the teacher yeah. would not say that. The teacher would say, oh, no, I didn't mean to hurt you. And then the kid would answer back, well, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't do that anymore. Is that okay? Put the teacher on the spot again. Uh, I think that would end it. But I don't know that to be a fact. Yeah. But the the teacher would certainly know that what they did hurt this kid, and most teachers don't think about that—that that what they do does hurt the feelings of kids.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, they have no clue sometimes that they, how they hurt the their students. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know any teachers who intentionally want to hurt kids now when it comes to coaches that's another story okay uh coaches is, is more likely to be a bully than a teacher because uh, they want to win so bad some te- some coaches cannot stand to lose and when a kid screws up they will get on them unmercifully and you know the kid does not intentionally um throw a ball away or make a mistake it it's just what a kid does but coaches don't understand that and they want to win so bad that they'll get on kids unmercifully in front of the other kids uh i think since the last time i was on your show i've got four manuscripts that have been published uh in one venue or another they're on my uh They're on my website, and any of your listeners can get on there and read those manuscripts.
0: Well... Let's 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 uh continue here on this bullying topic. Um Dr. Cleet Bullock with us today. He's a leading authority on educational policy. He joins us here on our big broadcast. He's got experience in all phases of the classroom, principalship and superintendency and um, who is most likely to be bullied in, in the classroom or out of the classroom, my friend?
1: Uh well, the um usually it's the kid that's not well liked. Uh, you know, if you're the, the star af- athlete and you have a lot of friends, the teacher is going to leave you alone because, uh, and the other kid, the, the bullies will leave that, that, those kids alone because people who have friends are seldom bullied. It's the isolate, the person who is alone, I call an isolate Yes, Uh, they are the ones who are likely to be bullied for example I'll give you an example when I was in my uh, sophomore year I was transferred at the end of the year to another high school about 30 miles away and I go to the school and on the first day the kid comes up to me and says boy am I glad to see you and I said why he says I'm no longer the littlest kid because I was about five foot, uh, three, maybe weighed 115 pounds, soaking wet. Wow. And as a high, <laughs> high school senior, I was five four and weighed 125. So, you know, I was the shrimp of the class. Uh, so I was bullied, because, you know, I was new, I had no friends, and uh, uh, I was little. In my case, it made me tough, because uh, I... Back in those days, you could fight behind a school. and Nobody would know. Uh, today, if you're in a fight, I don't care whether you're defending yourself or causing the fight, you will get suspended or expelled. But back in those days, fighting took place. So I learned to fight. Uh, but I was a victim because I had no friends. And I was little. Yeah. So that's, that's who people tend to pick on. Uh, Whether whether it's a teacher or a bully, they will pick on people who have few friends or are different. Um, Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, We've got uh, Dr. Bullock with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. And uh, we're talking about bullying today with the doctor. And uh, how effective are some of these bullying prevention programs?
1: Well, Dr. Alan Bean, B-E-A-N-E, and any of your listeners can get on the website and look him up. His program is called Bully Free. Um, I'm his external evaluator. Uh, The survey we created to evaluate his program uh, shows that it is effective, that when you do repeat measures using the survey, it, it improves. Um uh, the survey measures what kind of bullying occurs, where it occurs, how many times uh, a victim is bullied uh, by one person, by one or more people, how it gets reported, what do bystanders do, what does the faculty do, and that's what the survey does. So if your listeners are concerned, they can get on my website, copy that survey, and take it to their school and ask them to administer the survey there. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Alan Bean has a program. Uh, he will come to the school. After, you know, he, when he always does a pre survey, he always surveys the students to see the existing conditions before he puts his program in place. He's got a number of books out on how to deal with bullying behavior uh i'd say he is the leading expert in the united states there's a guy up in sweden who's gotten a lot of publicity i forget what his name is um i don't think his program's that good but dr alan bean's program is good i've done pre and post surveys on his program and there's always improvement what happens one of the things that happens when you uh put in a program on bullying behavior, and your listeners out there need to know this, when you make students aware of what bullying really is, initially the survey gets worse because once they are aware of it, they see more of it. Um, but anyway, uh, Bystanders is what the my, my book, and incidentally I've got two new books out now, um, on, on uh, creating a high-performing schools uh, reduces bullying behavior because it, bystanders are the biggest problem with bullying behavior. When bullying behavior occurs in a school today, the bystanders will tend to watch. In some cases, they will cheer, uh, cheer and egg on the bully. Uh, and in some cases, even join in the bullying behavior. It's kind of like a feeding frenzy. Uh, when kids see it, they get caught up in it, and they will join in. So what happens in most schools is the bystanders do nothing or join. In my book, when, I, when you create this situation, and it described in my book, when that gets put in place, bystanders are discouraged from looking on an egg and they're encouraged to take a stand against the bully. Uh, I call it the existing culture of c- control. In most schools today, the existing culture of control. When things go wrong in a classroom or in a hallway, the kids wait for the teacher or the administrator to correct the situation. Right? Yes. You remember that back? Yes. Ago? Yeah. They they will wait. They it's not okay for them to step in and stop misbehavior under my situation in chapter one of book one the situa- the culture is changed so that the kids are given the okay to intervene so when a student acts out in a classroom the other kids say hey stop that stop it if they were to do that in the existing culture the other kids are looking and saying who, are you, who are you sucking up to the teacher get out of my face But in the culture that I create in Chapter 1, the kids know it's okay to correct each other, each other's behavior, and their own. And now you say, why in the world would they do that? What what did you do to change that culture? And it's so simple, you you aren't going to believe how simple it is. As a teacher myself, when I went, didn't feel very well, I would go to the kids and I'd say, hey, guys, I don't feel very well today. How about helping me out? So when I asked them to control each other and their own behavior, they did it. Because when I said, I don't feel very well, how about helping me out? I made it okay for them to do that. So how do you make it okay for kids all the time to correct their own and each other's behavior? And it's, I go to the kids and I say, hey, guys, tell you what, I'm getting tired of spending time correcting your misbehavior, tell you what, if you, if you will change that so that I don't have to ch- correct your behavior, I'll give you an extra five minutes of recess, okay? They said, what? You give us an extra five minutes of recess? And they jump all over it. Um, so, you know, at the end of a class, or it, this is a, in an elementary school where you got them all day, you can give them an extra five minutes of recess, with, and it doesn't cost you anything. In a uh, middle and high school, I would take the last half hour of class on Friday afternoons and say, okay, guys, we're just going to hang out if we have a good week. And at the end of each day, I would say, well, we had a good day, guys. I didn't have to correct your behavior so much today. Keep that up, and at the end of the week, on Friday, we'll take the last half hour and just hang out in the classroom. And they will help you, and they will correct each other's behavior. Uh, If it happens in the whole school, it becomes a lot easier because you can give them an extra five minutes of locker time. And they love five minutes, an extra five minutes to hang out in the morning. Uh, So you you count how many times uh, kids At the the end of each day, the principal sends somebody out to every teacher and collects how many times they had to stop and correct the kids. And you set a benchmark. And I used to do it like like the United Appeal with a thermometer, a red thing going up the wall showing how many times we had to stop and correct student misbehavior in the school. And if it was below a certain mark, then they got an extra five minutes of locker time every day. Uh, And it's amazing what kids will do. When you ask them to control each other's behavior and their own, they are all over it. And if you think that's crazy, now, I want you to stop and think a minute here, Jim. Uh, ROTC, you know, they have ROTC programs in schools?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Okay, well... In an ROTC program, the kids control each other's behavior. You've got the upperclassmen who are, you know, the higher-ranking ones, and you've got the ones below them, all the way to freshmen, and they are in charge of the, each other's behavior. The ROTC officer uh, gives, by rank, gives the control to the students to control each other. And I, I had one high school, and there's an, there's a manuscript that was published on it, it's on my website, and anybody can read it, about a JROTC program in an inner-city black high school in Atlanta. And the behavior of the students in an ROTC classroom versus the rest of the school, it was night and day. Uh, I was in that school for, one year, for four years in a, in a uh, character ed, they were part of a character ed grant, And I can't can't tell you how different the students were in the ROTC program versus the rest of the school. It was night and day. So bullying behavior will decrease if you ask the kids to control each other's behavior. You've got to make it okay for kids to intervene and stop bullying behavior. They won't do it. Uh, just recently here, there was a, a case in Cincinnati, or Ohio, where a kid got punched in the stomach in a bathroom. All the other kids were standing around, and this bully kicked him, kicked this kid and punched him while the other kids looked on. The kid went home and told the parent that he had a stomachache. And you know the school officials did not tell the parent this kid had been bullied and kicked? and beaten didn't tell the parents the parents kept the kid home from school two days thinking the kid was sick that night the kid went in his bedroom and hung himself uh it's it's awful what happens to victims because you know they don't know what to do and they don't tell their parents uh, in the survey i it One of the items is, do you tell school officials when you're bullied? Most of the kids do not tell them. They're ashamed. And they don't tell their parents. They're ashamed. So parents out there, if you're listening, uh, if your kid complains of a bellyache or a headache and doesn't want to go to school, you need to find out what's going on in school because it's likely that your kid is being bullied. And if you think that's rare, no it's not rare. On the survey, 5 to 10% of the kids in every school are bullied in one way or another. If you take a thousand students in a school, you're talking 50 to 100 kids are being bullied in that school. The danger for violence, potential violence of breaking out in that school is dangerous. These victims, they have to do something. To gain control over what's happening to them, suicide is one thing they can do. The other thing they can do is bring a gun back to school and shoot the bully and every other kid they don't like. Um, The other thing they can do is um, alcohol gives you temporary uh, control, feeling of control. Uh, Drugs, another way of gaining temporary control, join a gang. The kids cannot stand being bullied. They're going to do something. In my case, I fought. I was a little farm boy. I weighed 125 pounds. I was solid muscle. And and I could fight. Uh, after about three or four fights, nobody picked on me because they knew they were going to get hurt. Um. What else would you well, like
0: to talk about, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> Do, Do, Dr. Bollock. it is it is a heck of a deal. I'm glad we've got you on today. We've got our uh, good friend, uh, Dr. Cleet Bullock, joins us today. We're talking about <laughs> bullying. Now, you mentioned uh, you've got some new books out there. Let, let, let's talk about those in our remaining moments here with you, my friend. Uh, okay. T- tell us a little bit about the books.
1: Well, School Culture and Climate, vis-à-vis Student Learning, Uh, describes in Chapter 1 how to give control to the students without giving it up. That's the secret to being a parent, the secret to being a leader of any kind. You give control to the people below you without giving it up. And if you're a parent listening, here's how you do that. Even with a a first grader, you say, what are you going to wear tomorrow? You tell your first grader, what are you going to wear tomorrow? And it's the kid's tells you what he's going to wear well if if the outfit sounds okay you say oh that's great so you give your kids the ability to make decisions when they make the wrong one you take it back if they pick out an outfit that colors that doesn't match you say i don't think that that goes together too well why don't you pick out something that matches better you give control back to them until they make the right decision. If your kid's going out on a hot date and wants the car, you say, what time are you coming in tonight? And the kid says, oh, I don't know, when we get finished? And you know is at 12 o'clock, so you say, now wait a minute, when is curfew? You take control back. The kid says, well, I don't know. And you say, yes, you do know. Tell me when it is, we've talked about this, you give control back, until they make the right decision. If they don't make the right decision, you take control, away. well, you can't have the car because you obviously don't know what the rules are here. So give me the keys. You take control back. So in all situations, whether you're a parent or a teacher or a leader or a minister or a group leader, you give control because what you want these kids to do is become responsible and make the right decision. But if you don't give them control, then they can't make the right decision because you're controlling them. In some cases, the bully himself or herself is being controlled too much at home, so their control needs are not being met at home because parents are over-controlling. So they go to school, and they become a bully. Uh, that's one theory. But anyway, um, does that help you any?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, th- w- w- what this book? So that's the
1: first book. Yes, that, yes. That's the one that creates the culture and climate. Okay. Okay. Uh, where kids are in charge, but the teacher and administration does not give up control. I give you a couple of techniques there that I I use for that. The second book is Enhancing School Culture and Climate, and that's the new stuff, so you want to have me back on that sometime. Yes. The first chapter is is, uh, interpersonal communications. Uh, There are five basic communication skills, and that's Described in Chapter 1, that's one of the biggest problems with uh, school culture and climate, is the communication between teachers and each other, between teachers and the administration, between teachers and the kids. The five basic interpersonal communication skills. It's Chapter 1. In Chapter 2, conflict management. There are five conflict management styles. Uh, And one of the ones that I like to talk about is... um, uh, President Trump's conflict management style. We ought, to, we ought to, you ought to have me back on that one time. We'll, we'll, <laughs> oh yes, we'll I, definitely, I definitely, definitely want to do that. How he, the, of the five styles, which one does he almost always resort to? Uh, so that's chapter one and two in the new book. Uh, they both run around twenty five bucks, and they're on uh, amazon.com and Barnes Noble. and Noble. Now, if anybody wants to Autograph copy they can mail me a check for twenty five bucks and i'll send send them an autograph copy
0: now why why did you decide to write these books?
1: Oh that's a good question I'm glad you asked that in two thousand two, I got a contract I was the successful bidder on evaluating all the schools in West Virginia and you'd think what <laughs> you you went to every school district in the state of West Virginia, and I yeah, I did. I got the contract. They paid me a hundred thousand dollars to do it, uh, and I loved it. It Took me five months to go to every school district in the state. What a what a wonderful state that is! Uh, they could have paid me. Uh, I could have I could have paid them for the experience, but I interviewed every I interviewed kids and students and. One school in every school district in the state. And I asked them, what do you like about your school? What don't you like about your school? And the information I got was just so amazing that it it is amazing that there were more what they don't like about school than what they do like about school. And I decided I've got to write a book and write up how to create a school where kids and teachers like to go to school. Because, you know, 50% of the kids don't like going to school. 50% of the teachers don't like going to school. That's why so many quit in years three and four and five. Teachers who have spent thousands of dollars and hours training to be a teacher quit in years three through five. It's it's epidemic. So I decided that I needed to write a book that would create a high-performing school, where kids and teachers like going. And that's, that's what the two books, and uh, the first two books was one book. The second book, uh, Enhancing School Culture and Climate, I edit the chapter on interpersonal communications, the five basic communication skills, and the second chapter on conflict management. And there's a lot in there on openness and trust, Uh, We could spend 15, 20 minutes on openness and trust. Did you know that openness has two dimensions? Really? There's a telling dimension and a listening dimension. Now, a lot of people are very good on the telling dimension, but they don't listen. Obama was very good on the telling dimension. He could get up there and talk and charm an audience, but the guy didn't listen. He didn't listen to... No, he didn't. he, He didn't. He didn't listen to Hillary. He didn't listen to his attorneys. He didn't listen to anybody. He knew it all. Egoist that he was, you know, he was high on telling, and he wasn't a listener. Then trust has five dimensions. Um... How much time
0: do we have? Oh, we've got a little bit of time here. Go ahead, my friend. Keep talking. Okay.
1: Uh, I'll use President Clinton on that one, uh, on the trust dimension. on Ability is one dimension of trust. The guy was good. He was a yes, a, an, a, yes as able was. a president as we've had. On uh, truthfulness, he was awful. <laughs> I didn't have sex with that woman. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he could tell a lie better than anybody. And, and, of course, Hillary is just as good at it yes. on trust. Uh, truthfulness is, is one thing that those two, that, part, that dimension of trust they don't have. Confidentiality is another one. Uh, if you break a confidence, people aren't going to talk to you anymore. Once they know they can't trust you on that dimension, you're gone. Yep. Uh, predictability is a big one. Uh, if, if you, if as a parent, your kids know how you're going to respond to a crisis, how do you handle a crisis? If they know how you're going to respond, then when things go wrong, they're going to come to you and they'll tell you because they know how you're going to respond. But if you're not predictable, they're, they they are not going to come to you at all. Because they don't know what you're going to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does, my friend. you got got truthfulness, ability, predictability, confidentiality, and then there's an overall character dimension. Uh, Who are you? Are you who you say you are? Do you care about the people who are working for you? Do you care about people? Are you self-serving or are you servant-oriented? Throughout both books, servant leadership is the theme. How do you come across as a servant? Or do you come across as self-serving? If you come across as self-serving, and that's what a lot of people suspect that President Trump is doing, that he is self-serving. well I don't think so. nobody gives up what he gave up to become the president. this guy is out there I think for one reason he wants to make America great again yes he is, he is a servant to the people that's my guess but a lot of people suspect it the otherwise and that's one of the things with most principals and most teachers when I ask what do you like about your teacher what do you like about your school they said the teacher. I said, what don't you like about your school? And they said, the teacher. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. What are you talking about? They says, well, you know, some of these teachers care about us, and they, they will talk to us, and, and if we need to talk to them, they will listen. And then you've got these other teachers. They come in there and prop their feet up on the desk with a cup of coffee, and they look at us and say, you guys here to learn? Great. If you're not, that's your problem. All they want is their paycheck, and they can't wait till they retire. And and I got the same answer with uh, teachers. What do you like about your school? And they said, the administrators. What don't you like about your school? The administrators. They don't care about us. They're just, they're here for a year or two and moving on to a, a higher position. They're self-serving. So, you know, when you come across a self-serving versus servant, if you come across as self-serving, that's a character dimension, you aren't going to get trusted. If you come across as a servant caring and you are authentic, you know, you act the same way all the time, you behave the same way all the time, you're predictable, you keep a confidence, you're able, you, and so forth, uh, you care, people are going to trust you. Those are the five dimensions of trust. And on my, on my website, there is a survey that measures school culture and climate. It's free. There are six surveys on my website. They're all free. One measures bullying behavior. One measures openness and trust. One measures school culture and climate. And one measures caring behaviors of teachers. That's a good one. Any teacher listening who wants to know how they're coming across can use that caring behavior survey and find out how they're coming across. Uh, On the school culture and climate, there is a measure of openness. And there is a measure of trust. Those are the two lowest scores on the 11 dimensions that measure school culture and climate. It's always the lowest. So in book number two, there's a lot of activities to improve levels of openness and trust in a school. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where do you want to go now?
0: Well, we we need to wrap it up, my friend. I I, I wish we could talk longer, but I I know that we've got to we've got to get things moving here. Where where do we get a hold of you online? Where do we pick up your books? All these things.
1: Uh, The website is www.westga as in West Georgia westga.edu front slash tilt that little squiggly up in the left-hand oh, corner yeah. of the keyboard. Oh, yeah. And f- and C-B-Lock, C as in cat, B as in boy, U-L-A-C-H. That's my website. Anything on there is free. There's a lot of manuscripts on there. There's a six surveys on there. Uh, my my uh, resume is on there. My email address is on there. Uh, anybody can contact me if they want an autographed copy. Send me a check for $25 and I'll mail you an autographed copy.
0: Fantastic. Well, Doctor, uh, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today, and I definitely want to get you back. Well, we, Jimmy uh, Jagger, it's, a
1: lot, it's always a pleasure being on your show.
0: We love you, Doctor, I'll have to say. You, 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 you are one of, one of the best, and uh, thanks for being with us today, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Take care dr bullock with us today here on our big broadcast and uh we love dr bullock and uh that wraps it up here for our latest edition here of build grow and enjoy